Welcome to the Reason to Behold podcast with me, Tolu Talks. So today we're going to try something a little bit different because it's just going to be me. Arnold is on annual leave. Um, and yeah, so I think we've spoken about this pretty much every episode that he's been away. But just in case this is your first time listening, normally we have Arnold and myself, Tolly, on the podcast and we kind of chop it up, we discuss. Um, but at the moment, Arnold has a lot going on in his personal life. So we said, look, take some time out. You know, it's, it's okay to take some time out to get some rest. We don't want him to burn out. So I'm holding down the fort in the meantime. And Arnold has done this for me before when I've been on leave. So yeah, this is what we do on the podcast. You know, we both take time when we need it to, to just rest and recharge, spend time with our families and do things like that. So yeah, so this week, it's just going to be me. And this week, I'm going to talk a little bit about something that I learned at church yesterday. So the church that I go to, we meet in person three Sundays a month. And then on the fourth or the fifth Sunday, we don't meet in person. We, we all stay at home, uh, we watch church online, but what we've also been encouraged to do is to go and check out different churches during that time. You know, go and connect with other parts of the body and see what's going on in different parts of the body. So yesterday, um, I was at a church called My Church in London. And well, actually it was in Windsor, so I lied. So it was at my church in Windsor. And it was just a really, really interesting, um, really interesting sermon. It was quite different to the church that I normally go to, but it was great to be, you know, in a new environment, meet some new people and just hear what God is saying in other parts of the body. So yesterday there was something that the, the pastor was talking about, and it was about the difference between orphans and sons. And he was talking about how sometimes as Christians, we live our lives as orphans. And it's funny because this is something that, you know, my wife and I have spoken about, you know, over time is just like, are we living as orphans or are we living as sons? So this is something that I really wanted to share with you guys. And I really wanted to challenge you with and to identify different areas of your life. Are you living as an orphan or are you living as a son? And when, um, when he was talking about it, he talks about the two types of sons that there are in, in the Bible. So you may not know, but the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New Testament. So sometimes when you have a word like son, it may mean different things, even though you've just got the English word son, because the Greek words are often more descriptive. They have more options. They have different ways of saying um, of, or delineating what exactly they mean when they say son. So there's there's two words for son there was nephios and huios and i might pronounce both of those things wrong but basically nephios is the type of son that is immature it's the type of son that doesn't necessarily know their rights doesn't necessarily walk in what they've been given huios was is huios is the type of son that knows who they are they're a mature son they understand who they are what they've been given and the responsibilities and the benefits that they have of being a son. So the guy yesterday was talking about how orphans behave very different to sons. So he's he was saying that, you know, he's met some people from the aristocracy. And when he meets them, you you can just see that they are they're confident. You can just see that they don't have any identity issues. They operate from that place of knowing whose they are and where they come from. And they know the authority that they have. They know the resources that they have behind them. They understand who they are and what they can and can't do in this world. But often people actually live a little bit as orphans, you know, where they're they're not very sure of their identity. You know, they're they're fighting from a place where they don't need to be fighting from. You know, they're 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 operating in ways that they 
might not necessarily need to if they really knew what they had available to them. So as Christians, we have been adopted into the family of God. God has adopted us and called us his sons and daughters. He has given us everything through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the brethren, which means that after him comes us. We are there as well, and we have all the rights that Jesus fought for, that Jesus paid for, all the rights that Jesus died for, but how often do we live not from that place? So he was giving some examples of of how different types of sons live. So we're just going to look a little bit as to, okay, how do orphans live versus how do sons live? So one of the things that he was talking about um, around um, the, the kind of the orphans is that Orphans don't often feel like they have a place. They don't know that they're loved. So often they feel abandoned or they feel rejected. So what they do comes from that place. They live from a place of feeling abandoned and rejected, whether by their parents or by others, or just not having that that fatherly figure in their lives because they're orphans. But as adopted sons, how do we see ourselves? Do we see ourselves as people who are loved by the Father? Do we see ourselves as secure in the love of the Father? Do we know that we have been adopted and because of that, this is what that means for us? Do we operate from that place of knowing that we have a Father who is there for us, a Father who wants to help us, who wants to support us, who wants to walk with us? Or do we see God as that kind of that distant, angry Father? So sometimes when we, we've had issues with our earthly parents or earthly authority figures, we, we kind of put those issues onto our relationship with God. So where we've been disappointed by our earthly parents, sometimes we think that God is going to disappoint us. Where we've been abused or where we've been shouted at or where we've been berated by our earthly parents, we we sometimes put that onto God and think that that's how he's going to talk to us. So sometimes the voice of God that we hear isn't really his true voice. It might be us hearing God through other people's voices because God will never disappoint you. God will never abuse you. He will never forsake you. He will never berate you. That's not how it works. God will bring correction, but it talks about speaking the truth in love. So when God brings that correction, you see it in the Bible so many times. God brings correction to someone and says, look, this is the judgment that's going to happen if you don't change. This is the judgment that's set for you. But the moment they repent, the moment they turn and they change, the judgment is averted. That is the God who we serve. It says, he says that he delights in showing mercy and mercy triumphs over judgment. He delights in showing us mercy. Not, not he begrudgingly shows us mercy. Not he, he, he does it because he has to. He delights in showing us mercy and mercy triumphs over judgment. That is what God wants to do for us as our heavenly father. He wants to show us mercy and he delights in showing us mercy. It's not because he has to, but it's because he wants to. Even when we think about the plan that God put in place to, to redeem the world, right? It says that, you know, Christ was slain, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. You know, God did that proactively. He didn't just do that. He knew what was going to happen and he wanted to put a plan in place so that we could still be in relationship with him so that he would never have to leave us or forsake us. That's why he sent Jesus. That was that was something that he chose to do. He wasn't forced into it. He wasn't. And these are the things that sometimes we forget when we start to approach God in our relationships with him. You know, how do we approach him? Do we approach him as that angry father or do we approach him as the loving father? 
So one of the things that was was amazing about that was amazing about the sermon yesterday was the guy was talking about you know there are there are those three three stories in the Bible the one about the the shepherd who leaves the ninety nine sheep to go after the one the um, the lady who'd lost one coin and searched for that one coin and then the the story of the prodigal son and he was saying that actually in I think it was in Hebrew culture that that's called the story of the good shepherd the story of the the good woman or something who looks looks out for the for the coin but then also it's called like the story of the the running father right or the story of the good father so when we hear those stories we focus on the thing that was lost we focus on the son that went prodigal we focus on all of those things but actually what those stories are really there to show us about is how our father goes after us how, how god himself is out there looking for us and waiting for us to come home and one of the one of the details that he kind of talked about was that in that in jewish culture if someone has said to their dad you know i want my inheritance that basically is the same as saying i wish you were dead and in that culture that was highly disrespectful even in our culture that's you know even in our culture that's still pretty disrespectful but what that really meant is that actually the father could have him executed and people from that village or from that city from that town when they see the son and they know that that's what he's done they could go after him so it puts a totally different understanding on why the father was looking out for the son to come home so basically he was looking out for the son to come home and it talks about how he you know hitched up his skirt and he ran after his son and what he's doing there is trying to get to his son before anybody else does to say nope leave him you know i'm accepting him back i'm taking the shame by pulling up my my robe and i'm running after him making myself undignified and i want him back i don't want you to kill my son and be so that i'm separated from him so when we think about it that way that's such an amazing picture of what god does for us you know he looks out for us he takes he has taken the shame that we brought upon ourselves and he's embraced us he's given us a ring he's given us you know he's given us a robe he's given us the shoes he's he's killed the fatted calf for us because we are coming home so i just love that image of you know god is that father running to us when we decide to come back home and for me it doesn't make sense you know so much of this is supernatural in terms of why does god do that because me as a human like after someone's done so much to me i would struggle to accept them back let alone go running to them to to welcome them back you know and and so many of us would would do the same thing but this is where god is supernatural his love is beyond our comprehension in so many ways you know he goes after us when we've left him you know he's he's there for us he's there to welcome us back and hugely you know lavishly he welcomes us back so that's one of the things around you know rejection versus acceptance so orphans don't know that they have a place in the father's heart they don't understand that they don't live from that place sons live from a place of knowing that they have a place in the father's heart they've experienced the love of the father they've experienced his acceptance and his approval so that's a massive thing for us and i want you to ask yourself where am i living from am i living as an orphan am i living as a son am i living from a place of knowing the love of the father knowing that i'm accepted knowing that i don't need to strive knowing that i don't need to perform that's not what i'm here for that's not what that's not what god wants from us if you think about it in in back in the garden what did god really want from adam and eve it was fellowship 
it was fellowship because there was nothing wrong in the world at, the, at that time. There was no, there were no souls to be saved. You know, there was no gospel to be preached. There were no demons to be cast out. There was no sick to be healed. But God created Adam and Eve for fellowship with him. So that is the original design of what God wants from us. And even we see where, you know, in the in the Bible, it talks about, oh, but we cast out this in your name. We did these things in your name. But it's depart from me, I never knew you. Because that's not what, that's not the sole reason that we're here. We're here to know God. We're here to fellowship with God. We're here to experience him the way he wants us to be experienced. And that's why he sent Jesus, to be able to reconcile us to himself. So one of the one of the next things that he spoke about was around what is the disposition of of the son? Is it one of, you know, fighting? Is it one of striving for position? Is it one of backstabbing people and trying to drag my way up? Or is it one of peace? Is it one of rest? Is it one of humility and acceptance? So orphans are often fighting and scrapping for things because they don't know what is theirs or they may have nothing that is theirs. Sons can operate from a different place. You know, they know that things are provided for them. They know that there is provision and allowance for them. So growing up, you know, I, my parents weren't rich by any means, but they still, they still gave me an allowance. You know, they still made space for us to provide the things that we wanted. And as a son, I've always been comf comfortable in that, that, you know, there is provision for me. It's not always necessarily the all the provision that I wanted, but I know that, you know, my parents think of me. I know that my parents value me. I know that they want to provide for me and that they provide to me to the best of their abilities. But orphans may have not had people that provide for them. So they might have to steal. They might have to cheat to get things. They might have to be pushing and striving to get the things that they feel like they want. And when we think about the Bible, it talks about, you know, when we look at the sparrows and when we look at how beautifully they're clothed and we look at how they're fed and it says, how much more will, will God take care of us? You know, so that's something that we really need to think about is, am I just striving and pushing and trying to get anything, get things by any means possible? Or am I resting? in the in the comfort of knowing that god will provide for me and what i'm not trying to say is that we do nothing right that's not what i'm trying to say i'm not trying to say that we just do nothing sit on our beds and wait for the for the money to fall upon us no that's not what i'm saying in in the bible it says about how it's god who gives you the power to get wealth you have to use that power that he has given to you you have to go out and actually put your hands to things it says that you know whatsoever you do shall prosper so that means that you have to be doing something. So this isn't to say that you just do nothing, but it's to say, what place are you doing something from? Are you doing it from a place of striving or are you doing it from a place of peace and trust and knowing that God has you and that God will increase you, that God will provide for you as you go about and do the things that you're meant to do. So I think that it's, this is a really, really important one because this one also talks about like, are you at rest? Are you at peace? Or are you restless? Are you striving for something that at the end of the day is not actually going to bring you the, the soul satisfaction that, that God wants for you? You know, it says that, um, beloved, I, I wish above all things for you that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So that soul prosperity is such an important thing. And this is where some of that comes from, is that, am I in a place of rest? Am I knowing that this is who God is to me, that he wants to provide for me?
that he's Jehovah Jireh. And that means the God who sees and provides. Sometimes we see it as just the God who provides, but it's the God who sees and provides. So God has seen ahead the things that we need. He has seen ahead the things that we desire, and he's already made provision for those things. So what place are you operating from in terms of, in terms of your disposition to life? Is life a struggle, something that you have to fight for all the time? Or is there that peace and that rest and acceptance? You know, are you are you feeling accepted? And and what happens often is that if you operate from that place of of understanding that you're provided for, of understanding that there's peace, then what that enables you to do is actually to lift other people up. You know, because there's a big difference between an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. When people have a scarcity mindset, they will scrap and they will keep everything to themselves because this is what they need for that moment. But when people have an abundance mindset, they understand that there is so much more in this world that can go around that they don't have to be holding on to something. They become a conduit for blessing as opposed to like a dam or a reservoir where it just stops. No, these are we should be flowing with the with generosity we should be flowing with blessings we should be flowing and understanding that things that come to us are meant to go through us they're not just meant to stop with us so generosity becomes easier when you know that you're a son when you know that you're provided for when you know that we serve the god of more than enough when you know that actually like if something comes to me and i give it away that's a seed you know it says he gives seed to the sower and bread for the eating so sometimes when things come into me i'm i'm trying to figure out is this is this seed or is this bread is this something that i'm meant to pass on and sow and give away or is this something that i'm meant to enjoy because it's not always going to be for you god doesn't always bring things into your life just for you to eat them sometimes he gives them to you to sow so the question is are you a sower because sons are sowers sons are sowers one of the next things that he talked about was about humility so sons are humble and i think that part of this is because sons understand the amazing things that they have but also the responsibility that that comes with so that brings humility you know not arrogance sometimes orphans can be can be arrogant which is which is a little bit interesting but even when you think about it there's this there's this saying that people say you know we're we're poor but we're proud and you know it's like sometimes i wonder about that because the only person in the bible that pride is ever associated with is the devil you know that's not that's not a godly trait it says you know he resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble so humility is part of our identity as sons you know and if we're not sons of god then we're sons of the devil like that's there's no other real sides that it can be so if we are sons of god then we have to walk in that humility you know we have to walk in humility and understanding of this is what we've been given as adopted sons we weren't necessarily born into this family but we've been adopted in and this is what that comes with so we can be we can walk in humility so it talks about you know humility is about not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to so it means that you you better understand what it is that god has given you you better understand what comes with being adopted into the family of god but what do you do with that do you use that to lord it over other people do you use your authority and the power that you've given to to manipulate people do you use it to do things for your own gain or do you use it for the purpose that it's been given to you do you use it to serve other people do you use it to help other people do you use it to help those who are less fortunate than you or who don't have the same understanding as you what do you do 
with the authority, with the responsibility, with the benefits that you've been given, with the privileges that you've been given as an adopted son. The guy yesterday was talking about how, you know, some of the aristocrats and, you know, the high, high ranking people that he's met in his life. He says, when you watch them go into a room, you know, they're just the coolest people, the most humble people. So obviously there are some people who take their, you know, their power and abuse it. But he said, you know, the ones that he's seen that have done it well, you know, they greet everybody, they're respectful, they're polite to everybody. They're not overly self-conscious. They're not focused on themselves. They're focused outwardly. They greet people, they're friendly, they're generous, they're kind, you know, they're interested in other people. And can we say that that's how we are? Because when I think of, when I think of Jesus, and when I think about how he would have been with people, I feel like Jesus was a person that generally people enjoyed being around. We had like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who hated him, but you could also see that when they were plotting against him, they realized that some of the things they couldn't do because the people would revolt because the people loved Jesus. And I feel unfortunately, often Christians, people are kind of scared to be around us sometimes because we're quite judgmental. You know, they're scared to be around us because we're not friendly, we're not generous, we're not kind, we're not interested in other people. So that would be my challenge is that, you know, are we operating as sons in this in this area? Are we are we allowing our our God nature, our God identity, you know, we have the name of Jesus. Are we allowing that to really determine how we're living our lives? Are we allowing that to really shine through and be what people really find when they find us? Are they finding Jesus in us or are they finding us? And are we filtering Jesus in a weird way through to them? So this is part one um, of, of this week's episode or, or of this episode series. So next week we will have part two um, and yeah, join back. So next week we're going to be talking about intimidation. We're going to be talking about how we think. We're going to be talking again about provision because it's very important. And then we're going to be talking about behavior. We're going to be talking about trust. So join us for next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week. Peace.